Welcome to All Things New Dart Tech, where we are exploring the intersection of theology and technology. Technology is changing our jobs, relationships, and even our identities. It's easy to get excited about all the new things. But as Christians, we also believe God is redeeming this world through his effort, making all things new. This podcast features conversations with entrepreneurs, technologists, and innovators, examining how technology transforms our understanding of God, his creation, and what it means to be human. Today, Paul Taylor from All Things New is talking with Nona Jones, the head of faith-based partnerships at Facebook. She is also a pastor, an author, and a speaker. And with every church in America going online in the past few months, her world has gone crazy. Paul and Nona will talk about virtual church, how social media can facilitate real ministry, and what the world might look like when all the dust settles. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, well, my name is Paul Taylor. I'm here with Nona Jones, who is the head of faith-based partnerships at Facebook. Nona is a pastor of Open Door Ministries in Florida. She's an author of several books. She's a sought-after speaker, and she works closely with a good friend of mine who goes to our church in Palo Alto. So I'm really excited to talk with her about uh, theology and technology in a season where churches are scrambling to adopt technology, and she's been at the center of a lot of that. So Nona, thanks for chatting with me. Thanks for having me. Thank you for creating this platform for this conversation. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, Well, before we get into all the stuff that's been happening lately, I'd love just to hear your story, how you ended up here at the crossroads of church and tech and Facebook and how you got here. Well, uh, the short answer is God. Uh, quite literally, I uh, I had not been a social tech person or tech at all um, before I got a call one day. Um, and to kind of give you a little backstory there, I had been leading a network of alternative schools in Florida for a few years, loved what I was doing, thought I would do it for the rest of my life. And the Lord told me to resign from that job uh, and wow. gave me a day to resign. And uh, on that date, I did. And 25 minutes later, uh, my cell phone rang and it was a 650 area code. So I thought it was a telemarketer, wasn't going to answer it. And uh, the spirit told me to take that call. And surprisingly, when I did, the woman on the other end said, "Uh, is this Nona Jones? And I said, yes. And she said, I'm calling from Facebook, uh, which of course led me to say, you know, Facebook doesn't call people. So (laughs) who is this? Yeah, right. Um, Yeah. It's incredible. But no, uh, two weeks later, I had an offer letter and uh, never applied for my job, so it's it's nothing but but God and His divine providence. That's amazing. <laughs> and what's the kind of, I mean, head of faith based partnerships? What does that look like? What does that mean? What's the stuff you really work on? Yeah, so my my role is both internally facing and externally facing. So I uh, externally I work across you know pastors and denominations and associations. Um, with the whole purpose of trying to help them use Facebook for ministry. And then internally, I work across our various product teams to help them uh, think about what they need to be building to support communities of faith. So uh, it's a fun job, um, very intense, especially in this season right now, Yeah, but uh, absolutely love it. So tell me about what your job was like before February 2020 and then since February 2020, it must have changed overnight. Well, here's what's really funny. Like, yeah, it literally changed overnight. So on, um, I think it was February 4th, I was actually uh, heading to London. I had a team meeting over there. And so I settled into the seat uh, of the, the airplane 
And I opened up my iPad because I wanted to read the 2020 State of the Church report that Barna had just released the day before. And yeah. so I love reading that report. And um, when I got to the section that asked, you know, um, pastors, what's on your mind? Uh, at the very bottom of the list of all these pastors they surveyed, the last thing on their mind was trends in digital technology and <laughs> disruptions to the traditional model of church, such as online church. And so I just felt like I completely failed like at my job because prior to that moment, I mean, I had spent like all of my time and energy really trying to like lift up the need to incorporate social technology into a kingdom building strategy. And so I had uh, done all this work and I was like, man, like pastors, could care, they couldn't care less because it's at the bottom of the list. There's nowhere else to go. So right. um, I said, okay, well, failure. And then, man, you know, two weeks later, uh, yeah, the global global church had to close its doors. And I remember when I landed in London, um, I was hearing reports about, you know, uh, somebody, some people had tested positive for this coronavirus in Italy. And so there was a little bit of concern, but not much. And uh, did my week there and I got back on the plane and I came back to the U.S. and I had to go from Florida to California. Like I had like, like a day and I had to fly to California. And I was speaking at a conference. I was going to speak at a conference in Seattle right after I left California. But while I was in California, we got a notification that several people had apparently uh, not only tested positive for the coronavirus, but they had also died. And so wow. our travel team was like, uh, you, you can't go to Seattle. Like, you need to go home. And I was like, what? So that's yeah. when it became real. So for me, it was super, like, real and visceral uh, because I was like, right in the middle of it. Yeah. And then I started to get all these texts and calls and emails from people like, what do we do? You know, our, our local municipality just said that we can't meet. So what do we do? Um, so, yeah, life life got really, really intense really quickly. Yeah. What have you seen? I mean, what how, how have you seen churches respond? Obviously, you know, um, technology is now the only way to do ministry. You know, I mean, yeah, it's it's dominated. So what? What have you seen over the past couple months? Yeah, so I've, um, I've I've seen many things. One thing that I've seen that's been super encouraging is I've seen church leaders who previously, like literally, like couldn't care less <laughs> about social technology, really leaning into it and really being like, okay, look, if this is if this is what we're we're going to have to use, let me figure out how to use it in a way that connects people, that actually advances our mission. So that's been really exciting. Um, yeah. I, I've seen people get creative and realize like, hey, y'all, guess what? The, the message I have had for, for the last three years was always like, look, we put so much time and energy into the program, like the, the, the service, like we put so much time and energy into that. But that's like 60 minutes, 90 minutes on a, on a weekend. There's 168 hours in the week. And so I think now leaders have realized, oh, wait a minute. Social technology means we don't have to limit ourselves to this time frame on the weekend. We can actually do ministry throughout the week. So that's been encouraging. Uh, one thing I've seen that has been um, a little disappointing, but I'm not surprised, is just that a lot of leaders have essentially just replicated what yeah. they were doing in the building on the platform. And I tell people, I'm like, listen, you don't have to do that. Because, you know, people are no longer constrained 
by time and space. Uh, so you don't have to, you know, replicate the exact same order of service. Um, you don't even have to have a countdown timer. Uh, I've seen people with 15 minute countdown timers. And it's always funny to me because I'm like, the people are there. Like they're, right, yeah. like, <laughs> they're not you know going how, anywhere. Yeah, they're not, and plus like nobody's in the lobby, right? You know, we're right. not trying to usher people in. They're there. So just get to it. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really inspiring. And I've, I've actually been just really encouraged uh, by the way that leaders have adapted. Yeah, I think that's something we've, you know, observed in ourselves as the church leadership is kind of our first instinct was, you know, in the course of a week, everything we did now happened over Zoom. And right. it was just like, <laughs> we just did all the same stuff. And then yep. it's all Zoom. And then, and then after a few weeks of that, you're going, okay, now, how do you adapt to using this in a different way? And honestly, that's been a lot harder. I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to just do a regular gathering over Zoom, but then you go, okay, now I got to rethink how this tool enables me to do ministry differently. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not a skill set a lot of us have. What You said you've seen some creative ways of people that are doing that. What, what are some of the things you've seen that have been effective at kind of capitalizing on a new form of technology? You know what? Making it fun, making it mm. interactive. Because if you think about it, you know, when we come down to the building for the program, uh, the program is really about people, you know, watching, people observing, people kind of sit and they're entertained. Whereas social technology really gives you the ability to kind of engage people uh, in, a, in a new way. So, uh, you know, I think, for example, when, when you're up there preaching on a Sunday, right, if people walk in, you're probably not going to stop and say, hey, what's your name? Uh, right. But when, when you're actually going live on Facebook and you see people walk in, like walk in literally, like you see their name, like immediately. So you can yeah. say, Hey Paul, it's so great to see you. Thanks for joining. Nona, so great to see you again. Come on in, invite your friends. Like there's, there's a way that now you can engage people that you just can't in a, in an in-person setting because one, you just, you don't know them. Like people don't typically come into the church with a t-shirt with their name Right. Right. right? And now they do. And now they do. And so you can you can engage them. And uh, yeah, I think just uh, just reimagining what a gathering is like, what what does a digital gathering look like when you're no longer constrained by time and, and space? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. You know, when I first started preaching to a camera, you know, it's so different preaching to nobody in the room. Um, it's such a different experience, but then yeah. I, I was thinking, um, you know, this is the advantage of being at a church where, where people don't respond to you anyway, because it wasn't that different anyway, you know, yep. we're such a kind of quiet church, but yeah, I think we're, we're starting to ask that question. How do you, how do you engage with people online? How do you, you know, interact with the chat and stuff like that? And, and that's been fun. You know, it is, it is, it is different. That's, that's mm -hmm. interesting. You know, for us, one of my experiences that's been interesting is that we are, uh, you know, we're a fair, we're a long, long history church. We're a fairly conservative church, and we hadn't been live streaming at all prior to this. And I think it wasn't that we necessarily decided not to, but there were, you know, people were kind of like, well, is this really? You know, there are some value right. concerns and theological concerns. And not, not that we were definitely opposed to it. We just hadn't really given it the time to consider. Mm -hmm. And there probably would have been some 
objections and some, well, you know, we believe in being in person. Is this going to take away from that? And so there, you know, all these kinds of hesitancies. And then, of course. And then this happens and now we're live streaming. You know, I mean, you know, exactly. Everything falls away, you know, and, yes. and nobody has any concerns anymore because you just, you can't. Yeah. Um, like what, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And now, you know, we, we, we haven't yet committed to our people that we're going to live stream forever, but it, it, you know, it, it, it seems like it'd be hard to turn it off at this point. And yeah. this is kind of the new normal, but so in a sense, that's great. I think the Lord used that to kind of kick us in a direction that we needed to go. But it also makes me ask the question of, um, and this is a little bit, you know, of a deeper thing, but are there ways that we're, you know, jumping into technology without giving it thought now because of the, mm. because of the, the kind of chaos and the need to do it? Um, are there things that that maybe, you know, I, and we don't have time to think about it now, but in six months, are we going to go, oh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we should have thought about that. Or maybe now we need to think about, I, and for, from your perspective, and obviously you're very pro-technology and, and we are too. So it's not at all like being a Luddite or avoiding it, but, mm-hmm. but what are those things that we need to learn about how to do this in a way that, that does value in-person ministry and does, you know, I mean, yeah. What are some of those lessons? Do you, do you have any sense of those? Well, I the, the first thing that I I always uh, I've always believed is that technology is not an either or proposition. Like to me, it's both and. Like like technology is a lever to accelerate relational um, relationship building. Um, mm. Whereas some people they look at it like, well, but if we do this, you know, that's going to somehow you know completely explode. Uh, in-person gathering, it's like, no, no, not at all. I think we realize, especially now in this season, the value of the in-person relationships. I mean, there are people, listen, I would not be surprised when, when we get the, you know, vaccine and treatment and like life so-called returns to normal. I would not be surprised if there were more people going to church than ever on, than than Easter ever and ever, because people I think have discounted the value of in-person uh, relationships. And now that technology is enabling churches to reach people that they've never reached before, I think that when those doors open, um, they're going to actually see people they've never seen before too. So I think it's it's both and. Yeah, that's a great answer. I think, I mean, that's certainly true for us. We've yeah. um, seen people in our live stream that you know we, we have never seen. And it's, it's even asking us, I wonder what you think of this, like, you know, we're a physical church and now, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden we're a virtual church and we've had kind of pathways for, you know, what, 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 what's the path to getting involved in our church? And, you know, you show up at a Sunday and then you show up right. a couple Sundays in a row and then you come to a gathering and you join a small group and, but they're all based on proximity. Right. And now we have all these people attending our live stream, but now we have to ask the question, what's the pathway to getting involved mm-hmm. if you don't live in the area? We don't have any, um, but I wonder, is that a, a question you guys are, are trying to help with or have you seen churches developing creative solutions to that? Yeah, I think um, it is something that we're all going to be uh, concerned with because it's, it's, it's the way, it's our modality of community, right? So it's mm-hmm. how we actually move people into community. Um, something that we've been thinking about and something that actually to learn from other churches is 
you know, the kind of member assimilation process uh, that we often use, which is really about getting to know people, getting to understand their gifts, getting to understand their passions, and then matching those passions to opportunities to serve. How do we do that digitally? Um, yeah, and so I think right. it, it really involves because uh, the, the opportunities to serve are still just as vast as they ever were, but they're also different um, because we may not be doing, for example, a you know food drive in person, or we might not be you know visiting uh, uh, senior uh, retirement homes in person. But what does that look like digitally? So I think it's it's an opportunity, frankly, to think innovatively and outside of the box. Like if if we if this is important to us as a church, this particular impact that we want to make in the world, and we can't do it in person, how do we still make that impact? Like what yeah. what does that look like? Yeah, and I think it gets people's creative juices flowing. I mean, we're thinking about that now. Uh, we have a, an after school program uh, that we've we've been working to stand up over the last several months. Well, you know, obviously we're not going to be you know meeting with kids and, and tutoring them after school, but they still need that support. So what do we do? So we're we're thinking about that now. Yeah, that's really interesting. You had something I I noticed on as I was kind of looking at some of the stuff you produced, talking about. Um, from social media to social discipleship or social ministry or something. Social what, ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that look like? Like, how do you, can you flesh yeah. that out a little bit? This is, this is actually a really timely question because I, I have uh, the book from social media to social ministry coming out uh, June 23rd. So it's like perfect, oh, awesome. perfect segue. Um, so the, the, the principle or the concept of social ministry is uh, in juxtaposition to social media because Social media is really about marketing. It's yeah. about increasing your reach. Social ministry is about discipleship, which is yeah. about increasing your depth. So you think about social media to go wide and social ministry to go deep. And the, the idea of digital discipleship is the intentional, um, relational maturation of faith which means, mm. you know, putting people in relationship with one another so that they can grow together. They can um, uh, understand each other in deeper ways, which is why, you know, in the book, I talk a lot about the different platforms that we call social media and how really Facebook is the only platform that's a true social platform because it's the one platform where people can really build relationships with each other. Um, mm. And so the way that it looks is, again, just the intentional piece uh, building out a discipleship program that you're then able to execute through Facebook groups um, to help people study the Bible together, pray together, uh, explore faith together, um, things that you might do offline that you're now able to do um, online. That's cool. That sounds exciting. Sounds like uh, <laughs> something to pursue. I hope what, so. What would you say to people? Um, I mean, obviously, Facebook is a for-profit company, and Facebook is trying to make money as they have yeah. every right to do and as they should. Um, what would you say to people that are kind of uncomfortable with the church make, taking advantage of these services that are, you know, making somebody else profit? I mean, I, I know some people are saying, we, you know, we don't want to be on Facebook because et cetera, et cetera. How, how do you kind of respond to that? <laughs> well, I... I think at the end of the day, the question is, um, what have we been called to do? Uh, Matthew 28, 19 is very clear. Like, we have been called to go ye therefore and make disciples. 
we have not been called to stay in a building and wait for them to come to us. Um, it's a free platform that enables us to reach people uh, faster and further than we could ever do on our own. And mm. so I personally believe, uh, I, I think about Acts chapter two often when we have conversations of, of faith and technology, because you know, as the church was just beginning, um, there was 120 disciples in an upper room on the day of Pentecost with all these Jews from all around the world in the city, speaking different languages, different ethnicities and cultures. And here's these 120 Galileans and they're you know, declaring the wonders of God. And then the Holy Spirit falls on them and they begin to speak in unknown languages. And the Jews that are walking around outside hear the wonders of God in their language and they're confounded because they're like, how is it that these Galileans are declaring the wonders of God in our language? They don't know this. And I, I, I think about how God, I believe at the beginning of the church, was demonstrating himself as the first Google Translate. Um, just right. think, 120 disciples uh, ultimately saw that day through the Apostle Peter, 3,000 come into faith. Yeah, That's the power of technology. Um, and so we, yeah. we shouldn't fear it. I think it's something that we can use for the for the kingdom. Well, and then it strikes me that most of those people went back to their homes mm-hmm. and they traveled among uh, traveled along roads that the Romans exactly. Built. That's right, the and Roman road. There and the Romans were hardly paragons of virtue. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it wasn't a free road. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't a free road, and those were roads were built, you know, in horrific ways sometimes. Yes. Um, yeah, for sure. So one of the guys we. Uh, we're good friends with Pat Gelsinger, who works at a VMware, one of the, the CEO of VMware. And he he likes to make the point that kind of when Jesus came, most of the world was connected through Roman roads. And right. kind of the season we live in now is really the next season in history where the most people are connected through technology than that's ever exactly before. Right. That's exactly and, um, right. Yeah. So that's that that's encouraging. I've done some thinking too about the the 1918 uh, Spanish flu pandemic. Mm. It's pretty interesting to see how churches responded during that season. And it's really the same. I mean, they they didn't have Zoom meetings, but the church leaders would write Bible studies and mail them to their people. Yeah. And they would have family church at home. So, you know, the mail was the technology they used. And, yeah. But that kind of the general activities were, were just the same. That's just the technology differs. Yep. That's exactly so. right. That's encouraging. <laughs> well, there's two questions uh, we like to ask all of our podcast guests kind of as we wrap up. The, the, the first one is, as you look forward, as you think about uh, you know, yourself as a minister and just kind of living in this world, what makes you excited about where technology is headed in the next several years, the season coming up? Well, I think especially now um, that the church has really like tasted at scale what technology can do, uh, I think we're going to see far less um, reluctance to to technology. And instead, I think we're going to see people thinking proactively uh, about how it can enable um, ministry and discipleship. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a fun time to really explore that together. Mm-hmm. So then the corollary question is, what what are you, what are you worried about or what what scares you about technology um and maybe kind of attached to that what what words of wisdom or caution or you know advice would you have 
Yeah, I think what what concerns me is, um, and I'll speak specifically in the realm of social technology, is the gospel can go further, farther. It can go farther, faster, I should say, um, than ever before. Um, But so can untruth. So we have a lot of people who are being deceived uh, and they're being deceived just as quickly um, as people are coming into knowledge and faith. So I think that the church just has to really be vigilant um, to combat that side of it, um, because just as we can use the the the, uh, the technology to build the kingdom of God, I think uh, we have people who are using it to build the kingdom of darkness. So, mm-hmm. um, so I just I believe that we have to stay prayerful um, so that the the actual positive purposes um, can be realized. Yeah, that is so great. I, I got to ask one more question on that, though. That's such yeah. a big deal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that is huge. And I think as a culture, we're really seeing that with all sorts of digital platforms that, you know, whether it's fake news or whether it's yeah. misleading stuff. And and as followers of Jesus, we are people of truth. Yeah. Um, so obviously there's some stuff. I mean, I know Facebook has a big effort around that and all sorts of people. But what for kind of the common believer, like what? How do we be people of truth online? And what is that? What does that look like? Mm, yeah, I think it's uh, number one. We have to, as the Bible says, we have to guard our heart uh, with mm. all diligence. Which means uh, we have to walk by the Spirit. So if if somebody is saying something that we know does not align with the Word of God, uh, one, we shouldn't share it. Uh, but number two, I think that we have to be the ones who are willing to just as vigorously uh, defend the, the, the word of God. I know that, listen, the word of God doesn't need our defense. I mean, frankly, yeah. it stands on its own. Um, I do believe, though, that we are ambassadors of Christ, which means that we have to represent God at all times. Uh, and we just have to be willing, if it's necessary, uh, to be a voice of truth and a voice of hope um, in the midst of the darkness. Uh, I've noticed a trend where people will unfollow somebody who they disagree with or somebody who is, um, you know, seemingly negative. But I think instead of doing that, we have to pray over that person and try to be a light of hope uh, to them. Because if we don't do that, nobody will. Hmm. That's great. That's a good answer. A lot of stuff for us to think about being people of truth (laughs) and using technology well, a lot of wisdom involved, but also a lot of exciting opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's great, Nona. Thanks so much for chatting with me. It's been really fun. Likewise. Thank you for having me. This was great. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for listening to All Things New Tech. We hope you continue the conversation by subscribing to our blog at allthingsnew.tech. We have a variety of authors working together to develop a biblical framework for engaging with technology. Check it out. Join the conversation.